Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! It's the call-up, and we have our first week here, Jack, where we can actually look back at a handful of ball games and talk about it. But we still want to just prime you on the minor league season, as well as talk about some of the most insane starts to the season. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. First and foremost, before we talk about these loaded lineups across the entire minor leagues and which teams you should really take the time to go watch, Jack yep. McMullen broadcasted a game with one of the teams that just missed the cut uh, to make our list of most loaded teams, but they are really fun to watch. Jack, you got your first AAA game under your belt. Congratulations. Thank you, man. Yeah, and I, uh, I saw the Indianapolis Indians who just missed the cut uh, of our list take on the Omaha Storm Chasers who are on this list. Correct. Uh, I saw a lot of great prospects. I mean, I saw O'Neill Cruz play left field on Sunday while Nick Prado was playing right field. So, that is the the stomping grounds for these guys to try new things. You know, who knows what O'Neill Cruz is going to need to do when he gets up to Pittsburgh? Who knows where the spot's going to open up for Nick Prado or MJ Melendez in Kansas City this year? Because you know what? They're both swinging it off the jump like they should be up right now. So it, it's fascinating. And I do love this, this AAA feel where you are a step away and you're seeing a lot of those guys that are really knocking on the door. Yeah, it's funny. So we'll, we'll have a conversation with MJ soon. We just haven't been able to sync up on on the exact day of the pod. Obviously, he's got a lot going on, but he's really excited to come on here and has been very apologetic. So I'm very excited to have him on once things settle down. You got the built in off days and they settle into the schedule as all the minor leaguers will. We'll have more consistent interviews coming through every week after that. I'm very excited to talk to MJ about what's going on in terms of just playing every position because I know he did an interview where he said, I, I want to play a little bit of everywhere, whatever I have to do to crack the lineup. It's really funny at the big league level. That is of course, yeah. it's really funny to see Nick Prado of all people too, who also hit 30 plus jacks is a gold glove caliber defender at first base would instantly be one of the best defensive first baseman in baseball. And they're also throwing that guy in, right? I mean, he is athletic enough to do it given that he is an elite defensive first baseman, but we don't know how his reads and routes are going to be. It is interesting to see. It seems like the Royals are really just trying to put together the best team they can this year or next year at the big league level. And that could include MJ Melendez and Nick Prado playing secondary positions. I guess like Melendez at third and Prado and right. Um, if the Royals are going to be good, they got to figure out what's happening on the mound right now. Like that, that is yeah, priority exactly. one. Exactly. You might as well put, MJ back behind catcher and put Prado at first. If your pitching situation is going to be what it is right now. Yeah. And, and we talked about that on the just baseball show, uh, which is out today as well. Like they're, you're not going to win. Jackson Coar should probably be in AAA with these oh guys. Oh my God. Like and that dude is a storm chaser right now. He's a storm chaser for sure. <laughs> and well, you call guys like that a human rain delay, which is the irony of it. Um, that's what a lot of players will call pitchers that work slow and give up a lot of runs and, and not to pile on Jackson Coar Cause he, he's supremely talented. And, and that's somebody that I even spoke to MJ about. And I was, I was talking to him maybe a few months back. It's like, he, he's got some really good stuff. And MJ was adamant that that Coar can figure it out. And that Coar has really good stuff. He was just playing around with the third pitch, trying to figure out what works for him. Uh, adjusted the fastball a little bit. But but MJ had said himself, and that's the guy catching him, like, this guy can really pitch. He just seems like he's caught in between of who he is right now. And that's what happens when you're getting forced into the big leagues and you go into survival mode versus AAA, where you have the time to work through things and experiment and, and play around. 
if I get to the big leagues, I'm trying what I know and just trying to survive. And right now, Coar doesn't have enough to survive at the big league level. Yeah. And what I will say about that is Coar, when he was on at Florida, was more fun to watch than when Brady Singer was 100%. on at Florida. Like Coar was, I mean, he was dotting 92 to 94 with the fastball and he had two pitches that he could work the fastball off of. He was amazing at Florida. I want to see him enhance that Florida Jackson Coar. Yeah. And that's gone right now because he's going through a little bit of an identity crisis. Like, mm, I know a lot of these guys in this rotation have crazy good stuff, right? Singer, Lynch, Bubich. Guess what? None of those guys have really put it together yet. Why do you feel like you need to outstuff them when Jackson Coar, when he's on, might be the best of the bunch? It's really interesting. And, and I guess we'll start in AAA and roll through this team since we've already talked about several of these guys. I, I really think that they are an organization that we talk about the Marlins a lot and how how good they are at identifying pitching and suck yeah. at developing hitting. The Royals are almost the converse. If you put the Marlins and the Royals together, I think you'd have the Dodgers or maybe better in terms of development and farm system and what you have there. The Royals are phenomenal at developing their hitters. Uh, they made a big switch over the last couple of years across their organization that worked out for them. And look at the, the shift that we saw from Melendez. Look at the shift that we saw from Prado after the layoff. Look at the shifts even from Bobby Witt, who's supremely talented, but struggled a bit out of the gate and then really put it together. Vinny Pascantino, another example. Kyle Isbell even put it together uh, another level. So that that's yeah. an organization that does a great job with the bats. They chase the stuff, guys, and they suck at developing the stuff guys. They need to probably find the pitch ability guys and then yeah. try to develop the stuff. Because as we've seen now, the right workout program and these guys, if you find the right makeup, they'll find a way to uptick their stuff. There's just too much information and stuff at these guys' disposal to not uptick the stuff. But some other notable names on that Omaha Storm Chasers roster, Vinny Pascantino, somebody we've talked about a ton. I love Vinny. Uh, He's stuck at first. They're not going to experiment with him anywhere else other than first. No, he's a first baseman DH. DH. DH <laughs> is the other experiment. Hey, you want to go over here and just, just not play in the field for a little bit? Uh, but Vinny can really, really swing it. Uh, MJ, Prado, and Vinny, I think all could make the case to be big league ready right now. Uh, yeah. Some MLB vets, Jacoby Jones is at that Jacoby level. Jacoby Jones hit one 461 earlier this week. On Tuesday, it was cold as hell. It was, I want to say, like 42 degrees, and Jacoby Jones went 461 to dead center. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty That's pretty nasty. He, he's always yeah. been supremely talented. It's just putting it together at the plate. Austin Cox, also an interesting prospect. And then you have Mang uh, Daniel Mangdon and Arodis Viscaino is the way yeah, you say it, right? you remember him? Hard-throwing righty reliever. Um, two I other feel guys like all, that I do want all, Sorry to cut you off. All Viscainos throw hard. Anyway, continue. Correct. Um, two uh, guys that I want to shout out on this team. Emmanuel Rivera, uh, talking to people in Omaha. Rivera's a 26-year-old, I want to say. He just got his first taste of big league ball last year. Um, I think he played 29 games for the Royals and he was like the last one off the chopping block for the opening day roster for Kansas city. Um, talking to people in Omaha, he was the best player in AAA that nobody was talking about last year. He hit 19 bombs in like 60 games for the storm chasers last year. This is a guy that has a lot of power and was, you know, the fourth string power guy last year behind Melendez Prado and Bobby Witt, but Emmanuel Rivera can, can really swing it. And then Ronald Bolaños, he's gotten a little bit of a taste, but watching this guy saw him throw twice this week, he's mid-90s with a fastball. He's got good breaking stuff, and he's pounding strikes. And the Kansas City Royals need pounded strikes right now. Oh, no, like they need anything in the world. And yes. uh, what I will say, what I love about this job, what we do is, how many guys like that fly under the radar? You can put up big numbers and there's just so many freaking dudes in the minor leagues that you could easily fly under the radar. Uh, but Nick Prado tied for the minor league lead with three home runs. The only thing is it is a bit of feast of famine or famine for him right now. Four of he has four hits. Three of them are home runs. He's four for 24 to start the season. Not worried about it though at all. How many K's? Uh, how many K's? Oof. Let's see. What is his K percentage so far? 10 Ks thus far. In, in 24 at-bats. 
Yeah. And that's my only concern. There's a lot of zone swing and miss with Prado. So, I mean, he walks a lot to offset it, but it'll be something to follow uh, moving forward. We'll move forward to the second of three AAA teams here uh, for this. I would call it just teams to watch in the yeah. minor leagues. The Memphis Redbirds, a bunch of guys knocking on the door. Uh, no doubt about it. Matthew Libertor, Packy Naughton, and there's no order of when we're, where we're listing these guys. Uh, no. Zach Thompson, former first rounder. Uh, will he figure it out? It's kind of sink or swim for him. Yvonne Herrera is the future of the catching position for the Cardinals, at, at least until they find someone else. I think Herrera can still figure it out, and this is a yeah, big yeah. test for him. Luke and Baker was an unprotected rule five guy uh, who put up ridiculous power numbers and, and pretty good bats to ball last year. So he, he was probably going to be taken. Cardinals dodge a bullet, able to keep him there. Of course, Nolan Gorman, one of the top 50 or 60 prospects in baseball over there. Juan Yepes, a guy who was in a small bucket. If you put together K rate below 20%, more than 25 home runs. I believe it was only three other players in that designation. Uh, and they were all elite. Alec Burleson, one of my favorite underrated prospects, a guy we had on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast in the past. Hopefully we'll have him back on here. Really awesome dude, and I love his approach. And then Kramer Robertson, who is a uh, LSU guy, extremely handsome, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. This team's solid. Nobody that I'm freaking out about. I'm very excited to see Gorman. Anytime Libertor pitches, it's worthy of watching. Yvonne Herrera is a fringe top 100 guy who could really assert himself as a top 100 guy if he swings it well, uh, but it's just an extremely talented team all the way across. It's a deep team and and there's intrigue, you know, each half inning, regardless of who's on the mound or who's at the plate, like there is intrigue in a Memphis Redbirds game. Uh, on the baseball field, because, you know, you go to some minor league games and you might not know a singular person that's in either lineup or on the mound. And it's like, OK, I'm I'm just here to, you know, take in the sights, smells, sounds of baseball yeah, and, and enjoy some ball. Yeah. And like see the see the between inning entertainment. But if you go to a Memphis Redbirds game, you're seeing intriguing baseball. Zach Thompson. I mean, he's a mechanically sound left-handed arm. You know, who's to know what what Zach Thompson can do with a big league career? Like, he he has fallen off a little bit after being a uh, a top twenty pick. Um, but you know, you also have guys like Kramer Robertson, where hey, that guy stroked it a little bit at LSU. He was pretty solid. Luke and Baker. I mean, he was National Player of the Year in high school. He's got tons and tons of power, and he's one of those guys where. He, he steps into the on-deck circle, and if you have good enough seats, it's like, oh, man, you're, you're a big boy. You know what the difference is? Is like a lot of teams, their filler players or or the, the guys that aren't the top 100 guys, because I would say Yvonne Herrera, Nolan Gorman, like those are the, the main guys that you're looking at, like, oh, this could be the next big league dude. Yeah. Luke and Baker is instead of the organizational guys that you'll see on a lot of other rosters. And you see a lot of other lineups. It's solid prospect, solid prospect, top 100 guy, and then organizational guy who has almost no shot at ever getting to the big leagues. These yeah. teams, their spots that are usually filled by organizational guys are a 25-year-old Luke and Baker who hit 26 home runs last year. That's, that's the fun part about these teams. Uh, very interested to follow Herrera because I am very nervous that Yachty will not be able to, to shoulder the load he did last year. Herrera has good bat to ball but an aggressive approach and a very pull happy approach defense is coming along. That's a name to watch. I love how aggressive I love, but hate how aggressive they are with their, with some of their prospects. Gorman and Burleson have both been extremely pushed, especially Burleson made it all the way up to triple a after starting in high a in his first pro season. Let's see how he settles in again. Now his second look at triple a, I think he's going to mash. Uh, speaking of mash, there are some dudes that can really swing it at this AAA level for the Dodgers. And this is the OKC Dodgers. I love, we know how, how I feel about some of these guys, but Miguel Vargas is one of my favorite prospects in baseball in terms of just the swing, the high contact mixed with power that is just easy with the way he can backspin baseballs, but they can also pitch too. Uh, outside of the, the career guys like jo John Duplantier and Carson Fulmer, who are both triple a rule five guys top yeah. prospects like ryan pepiote andre jackson also in the mix there and then ryan noda a hitter as well who's one of my most underrated 
uh, offensive guys in the minor leagues. I mean, the guys hit at every freaking level. Look up Ryan Noda's stats. These Dodgers dudes can can really hit, but they've got some guys who can pitch here. And then they've even thrown Kevin Pillar and Olympian Eddie Alvarez in there. So it's just a fun team top to bottom. A multi-sport Olympian Eddie Alvarez. That's the only reason I included his name on, on this list of Oklahoma City Dodgers. Because, yes, he's got that. Did the U.S. win the gold in baseball? Mm-mm. Silver? Mm-hmm. Who won gold? Uh, I don't know. Somebody else? Is it Japan? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, all right, so he's a silver medalist. Shows how much we it. care about that. <laughs> I only cared about Tristan Casas' home runs. That's yeah, it. dude. Um, so Eddie Alvarez, Olympic medalist in baseball, also an Olympic medalist in speed skating, uh, which you know is is a more exciting Olympic sport than baseball. I'm not tuning into the Olympics to watch baseball. I'm tuning in to watch short track speed skating. Oh, and Alvarez is is fantastic at it. Absolutely yeah. fantastic at it. He's a great dude. Was a fan favorite with the Marlins. Uh, switch hitter. Can play all over. Can play multiple sports. Uh, but he'll probably put up numbers in AAA. He always does. He's your respectfully classic quadruple A guy. Uh, yeah. But Zach McKinstry has been swinging it so far to start the season. And then Jake Lamb. Somebody that was good at the big league level trying to get back there. So a, a very entertaining team over there. On the prospect side, really excited to see what Ryan Pepio will how he will continue to develop. That is a huge piece for the Dodgers who could help them in the bullpen as soon as this year or even make spot starts for them. Andre Jackson, I'm very interested to see what, what they decide for him. Is he a reliever? Is he a swingman? Or are you going to try to go full throttle and develop him into a starter? I'm leaning swingman for Andre Jackson, but he could be a very high-end one for them moving forward. Uh, needs to continue to settle into his stuff in AAA here. Getting to double A, this might be my favorite there's two teams that I would say are arguably my favorite in the minor leagues, period. Yeah. The Akron Rubber Ducks are one of them. The other one is the Eugene Emeralds, which we'll get to, which might be the best team of all time. That's uh, high A. Exactly. But I'm just saying teams, period, that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Akron Rubber Ducks, they are absolutely electric. You got George Valera. You've got Jose Tena. You've got Rokio. You've got Bo Naylor. You've got Daniel Espino, Xavier Curry, Joey Cantillo, Tanner Burns, Logan Allen, and Will Brennan. Holy shit, Jack. Yeah, dude. Dude, I saw a lot of these guys in high A with Lake County last year, and I, I didn't realize how talented that roster was at the moment. And now that they've had a full year to flesh out who they are and who they can be for the Guardians, this double-A team is probably the best team in all of double-A baseball this year. I mean, Valera is ready to rock by September. If Cleveland finds themselves somehow in contention in the AL Central, George Valera is going to be an enhancement at, you know, the September call-up point. Jose Tena, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting on. Like, he can swing it. I thought this was pretty aggressive. I was hoping that he would repeat in high A for just a little bit. And when he was too good for the level, he'd move up. But Brian Rocchio is amazing. I know how high you are on Daniel Espino. And I mean, you can run out like a, a three-day weekend stretch, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you're in the Akron area, you can go see Espino, Xavion Curry, Joey Cantillo. And then during the week, you've got Tanner Burns and Logan Allen. That's the best starting rotation in minor league baseball. It's, it's not even close. And I was going to say, I was going to say, instead of that, Another way to explain it would be you could go watch any Akron Rubber Ducks game and you're going to see a legit pitching prospect start that baseball game. I'll guarantee it. Like I wouldn't yeah. even know if someone asked me, hey, I'm in Akron for the weekend. Should I go to a game? I'd say, yes, you're going to see a legit pitching prospect. And I wouldn't even be like, oh, great. I'm excited to see him. I wouldn't even know who's pitching and I could send that text and be confident in it because I love all these guys. It's, it's obviously different. Daniel Espino is kind of in his own bucket here as to me, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. I'd probably put him top three or four right-handed pitching prospects, top seven or eight pitching prospects, period. He's that talented. Okay, so three you know, three or four right-handed pitchers. Um, Grayson Rodriguez, one. Yes. Boz, two. Lighter, three. Espino, four. I think he is right there with Jack Leiter. Because think about age-wise, they're the same. They're almost the same. I think he might be younger than Jack Leiter. And the stuff is right there. The fastball is even better. 
I almost would lean Espino and I love Jack. I mean, we just had him on the podcast. He's a phenomenal guy and extremely talented seven K's in three and a third in his first outing. But I could argue that Espino is right there with him. Yeah. Jack Leiter born April 21st, 2000. Daniel Espino born January 5th, 2001. Espino is nearly a year younger than Jack Leiter. And Espino already has success at the high A level. Like that's just to put in perspective. You, you can't go wrong with either of them, but that shows you where Espino's at. I think he's going to keep getting better. He's already hit 102. Like this guy is absolutely electric. Regardless, top 30 prospects in baseball love him. But the guys that even aren't the top 100 dudes, I'm super high on and are right on the cusp of the top 100 list. Xavier Curry, a guy who's right on the cusp phenomenal first outing from him man does he command the fastball so well east west he was lights out i think it was seven k's one walk and five or six innings uh the curveball was disgusting and he mixes in a third pitch comfortably as well logan allen to me is right on the edge of a top 100 prospect as well he is amazing he's so talented he can just pitch he's a great athlete he was a two-way player at fiu and you can see it on the mound they draft athletes on the mound it's very clear and this whole rotation is filled with athletes. Then George Valera, that's one of my favorite outfield prospects, too. I mean, this is a team that I will make sure I see this year. And to answer what you said on Jose Tena, I think it's a really good sign in terms of what the Guardians believe Tena is capable of. We know his makeup is high-end. We know his approach, his instincts are high-end, similar to Rokio. They believe Tena can handle the double-A assignment. Yeah. Um, another guy I want to shout out before we move on is Will Brennan. I know Will Brennan is going to fly under a lot of radars, but he was an incredibly talented baseball player at Kansas State. He comes in and I mean, he's like near the high A lead in doubles for the entirety of 2021. And he is an on base machine. This is the type of guy where I think in a year or two, you could be talking about him like Stephen Kwan. Like this guy just gets on base and he slaps the ball around the ballpark. Love to hear that. Shout out Stephen Kwan, five for yeah. five. Could not have a much better start to his uh, professional or major league career, I should say. We've been yep. telling you about him on the podcast. Hope you have him on your fantasy league if you're if you partake, because uh, we had been shouting out Stephen Kwan for a little bit, and uh, he is looking even better than I think you or I could have ever imagined. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on to another Double A team, and surprise, surprise, the Rays have a team on this list. And it's the double A Montgomery biscuits. They are loaded. Curtis Mead, one of my favorite hitting prospects in baseball, Greg Jones, an electric athlete, Austin Shenton, one of the more underrated uh, offensive prospects out there. Nico Holsizer hits nukes and looks like a hippie, which is super cool. He does. Uh, Cam Meisner acquired in the Joey Wendell deal, really projectable in terms of his I like skill set and raw power. Yeah. It's the hit tool. How does that come along? Taj Bradley, pitcher, quickly becoming one of the more exciting young pitching prospects in baseball, dominated last year through low A and a little bit of high A. And Jaden Murray, uh, a friend of the podcast as well, uh, was was really, really good last year. Blake Hunt, catching prospect, also intriguing. This is a really, really good team, but I mean, not surprising at all. It's, it's the Rays. It's the Rays. They, they have depth. And even a guy like Blake Hunt, I mean, he was... He wasn't even the main catcher involved in the Blake Snell deal. No. That was Francisco Mejia. But but Hunt is still a pretty good catcher. And he's a double-A caliber catcher with the possibility of cracking the big leagues at some point. I, I think the guys that I'm most excited about on this team are Meisner, Mead, and Greg Jones. Greg Jones is top 10 fastest guy in baseball when he comes up. Mead, I, I, the fan graphs write up was hilarious that you so disrespectful, by the way. I, I, I thought it was so rude. I they called him pot bellied. I don't think he looks pot bellied at all. No, not at all. I, I like I was confused. It's like pot bellied. Right, okay, I think they have the wrong guy. It also it leads with the bizarre Mead. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's right. Like, I think you have the wrong guy. He doesn't move well. I'll be honest. Like he's not—he's not the best defender, and and that's part of the issue. Otherwise, he'd be a consensus top thirty prospect. Yeah, but he's not that bizarre, <laughs> and and he's not potbellied. I, I thought that was such a mean TLDR by fan graphs there. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty harsh. Because because 
I was looking at some of the other write-ups and some of them are a little harsh, but that one just stood out to me. Imagine you're a Curtis Mead and you saw that you'd be like, Ow, ouch, what the like, hell dude. Yeah. Looking at my stomach. Like I'm not that pot. I have to suck in now. Yeah. Well, is that going to suck in while I play? Like, <laughs> I thought that was pretty wild. Ian Seymour uh, did not have a good first outing at all, but is a name worth, worth following as well. Uh, Bradley is somebody to really watch because his fastball is electric. He was phenomenal last year uh, for the Rays. If you want a little bit of insight on on the numbers between low A and high A last year for for Taj Bradley. I mean, it was it was a joke for him. And he was one of the youngest guys in his draft class. One eight four ERA, a one eighty three opponent batting average. And what was a pretty decent sample size? One hundred and seven and a thirds innings, one hundred twenty eight K's. Taj Bradley is definitely a guy to watch to see if if that same dominance of the same stuff will play up uh, like it did in the lower levels last year. Uh, final team, actually, no, we have a couple more at the Double A level. Oh no, Double A's loaded, man. Yeah, Double A's loaded. More. Sorry, I'm, I was thinking we're going threes and threes. Pensacola Blue Wahoos. We'll fly through real quick. Zach McCambly, who's going to be on the podcast very soon. Uh, very excited to talk to McCambly. Not his best first start. I thought he did a good job of managing and working around a lot of errors. Not, yeah. I think it was only one earned run, but allowed three runs. Strikeouts were there. Uh, that's what's going to happen with McCambly because his breaking ball is one of the best in the minor leagues. No Gross. exaggeration. It is disgusting. I've seen some of the most horrible swings I've ever seen uh, at that Zach McCambly breaking ball. Yuri Perez, youngest player in Marlins history at the AA level, was still 18 years old and was their opening day starter in AA. Had a very good outing, faded a little bit at the end. Yuri Perez is one of the favorites to be the best pitching prospect in baseball by the end of the year, I would say as guys graduate and as he continues to solidify his case, he's six foot nine in this Marlins organization uh, and throws cheese and also repeats it surprisingly well. Uh, Youngest player in all of double a Griffin Conine second in the minor leagues last year with 36 home runs, friend of the podcast as well. Uh, He, we know what he can do. If he cuts down on the case, uh, it is scary. Uh, Gerard Encarnacion, another guy with ridiculous power. The recently acquired Hayden Cantrell from the Brewers, switch hitter, plus speed has been swinging it. Played like he had a fire lit under him because he was traded during the series against the Pensacola Buahus. So flipped around, switched dugouts, and was playing the Biloxi Shuckers of the Brewers uh, right after the trade. And then the infamous Victor Victor Mesa, $5 million international free agent. Um that's Don't really tell me all. he's not fascinating, man. Like if I'm at the ballpark and I see Victor Victor Mesa is in the lineup, I'm intrigued. I want to see what's going on with that guy. Fascinating in the same way that a like an animal with a sixth limb at the zoo uh, in like an exhibit <laughs> is fascinating. You know, it's like, oh, wow, let's watch this guy dude struggle. And how did he make five million dollars? It's yeah. like it's almost a spectacle. It's, it's really disappointing. There's some intrigue there though. Like, you know, when you, when you show up and you see Harar Encarnacion and Victor, Victor Mesa, it's, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. It's an enjoyable night at the ballpark because you're like, Hey, like these are guys that were thought of highly and what else do they have in the tank? Um, So while, while Pensacola has, you know, some top end talent, I think Tulsa is also one of the deepest teams in minor league baseball. Uh, this is another one that's up there with anybody and they're going to lose some of their guys relatively quickly to triple a. I think a bunch of them are knocking on the door immediately. Andy Pajes will be there for a majority of the season. Very excited to see him swinging. I mean, 31 home runs. I think it was last year, crazy pop, good speed, insanely highly regarded work ethic. I love Andy Pajes. He's a top 60 prospect. Uh, Michael Bush. He's a bit more positionless. I, I say positionless. He can play second. He can play first but he's not going to be good at either. But man, does he hit? He's similar to Max Muncy in terms of the high walks, high power, and does not get cheated. Bobby Miller, arguably the best pitching prospect in this system, just absolutely electric, was hitting consistent triple digits for them. Uh, Clayton Beater, another highly regarded pitching prospect, bullpen risk, but electric. James Outman was amazing in the Arizona Fall League, is really upping his prospect value. Brandon Lewis is an underrated dude who has just consistently swung it. Jaron Kendall is that same spectacle struggle bust guy that is still interesting to watch unprotected in the rule five and didn't even get selected. Uh, And then who else am I missing? Carson Taylor also interesting as well. And Ryan Ward. 
Taylor's decent. Uh, I like Ryan Ward a lot. Ward had a Pajes like production at high A last year. I mean, he was, he was sneaky and Ryan Ward is not necessarily going to be cracking a top 10 in any system, but Ward put together a, a 300 season with 25 bombs and close to 80 driven in. And those guys get buried with the Dodgers. I mean, Ryan notice another example. Ryan notice hit 25 home runs every year in the minors. I think his worst season was a 125 WRC plus and, and no one knows who he is. You guys didn't even know who he was. I was like, it was like trivia time who, who has a 125 WRC plus every year and a hundred minor league home runs in like three years, Ryan Noda, no one cares kind of similar there. Um, and, and it's just wild how those guys fly under the radar, but the Frisco rough riders outside of Jack lighter, they have a couple of dudes that fly under the radar as well that I'm excited to talk about, but on the front end, Jack lighter, Shocker, seven Ks in his first outing. Um, Ezekiel, Dur- it's it's a joke. Uh, Ezekiel Duran is extremely exciting. I've seen some that are extremely high on him. One of the centerpiece uh, pieces that came back in that Joey Gallo deal. Then you also have Justin Foscue, first round pick, who was ridiculous in high A last year, slowed up after he got promoted to double A, but has a lot of offensive potential. Dustin Harris, another one of those overlooked guys who I love that mashed last year. Nobody paid attention. Now is getting more look in the outfield. They're exclusively putting him in the outfield. So he's not limited to first base. If Harris can play the outfield, even at an average clip, he's a top 100 prospect for me. Um, And then Kevin Gowdy, intriguing as well. Cody Bradford, Zach Kent, anything on the Frisco Rough Riders. Uh, no, they're fun. Good ballpark. Uh, good area. Frisco, Texas. If you're in the Dallas area, um, highly recommend getting out there, especially for a lighter start. Uh, Jack, I don't know how long Jack Leiter is going to be in double A. I don't know how long he's going to be in minor league baseball. This guy feels like he's got immediate helium, especially because the Rangers are horrible on the mound. Aside <laughs> from John Gray. He might I, be an upgrade. <laughs> he might be an upgrade right now over some like, of the guys they've got rocking. Am I crazy to say that there's a non-zero chance that Jack Leiter's in the starting rotation by mid-August? No, I don't think it's insane. I think it would be insane for them to do it, but I think that they could be that insane. Uh, But again, if Jack Leiter is doing what he's doing, how do you deny that? He might just be that guy that skips the minors. And you know he's got it up here. And for those that are just listening, I'm pointing to my head. Uh, Yeah, We heard him on just the 20-minute interview, but – he, this is somebody that is as used his dad as a resource very clearly since yeah. he started pitching and just has the ability to turn the page. Struggles are not going to mount on him. Uh, bad pitches are not going to mount on him. And that's one of the biggest challenges of calling a guy up to the big leagues. How do they handle it mentally? You don't have that concern with lighter. It's all performance-based. And the second he's ready performance-based, I can promise you he's ready mentally uh, to go up there. I just talked to a, a friend who was, at the Frisco Rough Riders, uh, I, I guess just the intro and, and the press conference uh, for, for that start of the season. And he would joke to me, he sent me a, a note and said, Jack Leiter was already big league, uh, big league ready with the press conference. Like questions that could have set him up to say something that would have been provocative for a headline. He just like was able to curtail it so easily. He gave good answers though on questions that he couldn't get burned on. Like he's just said he was so savvy already. I'm like, ah, this guy's ready to go. It's just about the pitching and the third pitch and, and the command. Once that comes across, he's, he's big league ready. Absolutely. Really like the rest of that team though. And and I am a huge Dustin Harris fan. Um, So, so keep an eye on him, but Ezekiel Duran, if he puts it all together is super, super scary. Altoona Curve, Altoona yeah, Curve, yeah. another team that is really fun uh, that I, I, I think is loaded with either underrated guys or, or well-regarded dudes. Uh, you could start with Nick Gonzalez, who you know how we feel about Nick Gonzalez, electric top 50 prospect. Leover Paguero is a top 100 guy. Matt Frazier really put it together last year, and I think he is for real. I am sold on the swing adjustments that he made. Uh, recently acquired former first-round pick Connor Scott in the Jacob Stallings deal. Still has that first-round intrigue. I wouldn't say the ship has sailed on him yet, though. Yep. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if he's going to be the guy that they thought he once would when he was drawing Kyle Tucker comps. Quinn Priester, I'm not as high on him. He's still a fringe top 100 prospect with a lot of intrigue. Kyle Nicholas, also a part of that deal uh, for Jacob Stallings. 
I love Leo Verpiguero, though, and Nick Gonzalez. Those are two guys I'm pumped about. And then Jack Sawinski is incredibly underrated, came over in from San Diego. So what that was the Adam Frazier deal. Yeah, uh, it was Frazier. Very intriguing prospect as well. Good, 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 good raw power and sneaky athletic can, can play center in a pinch. Blake Sable and Lolo Sanchez as well. Jack. Oh, I can't forget my guy, JC Flowers, who at yeah. FSU used to play center field and then come in and close games out. Uh, JC Flowers is actually a pretty intriguing arm. Anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, Tucapita Marcano. Like, I'm I'm fascinated by Marcano because I have no idea if he's going to be good at the big league level or not. He's gotten the taste of big league ball already. And it now he's in go well. It's and now so- he's in double A. I, I, was, I was shocked because I thought he was a shoe-in for Indy at the triple A level. And all of a sudden, rosters come out and he's in Altoona. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I think there's some serious intrigue there with Tucapita Marcano because he's still incredibly young. Another guy, Carter Bins, could be a big league catcher at some point. Yes. He's got a good bat behind the plate, and he was a Fresno State guy. I enjoy Carter Bins. Uh, and then how about your guy, Kyle Nicholas? He's in double-A, too. I love I love Nicholas because the thing about Kyle Nicholas, certain arms like this, even if it doesn't work out, you know they're a lights-out bullpen arm. And Kyle Nicholas is, is, is a lights-out seventh, eighth inning guy, I think worst case scenario, but a guy also um, not to, to repeat the same thing, but I always like to, to give the nod to some interviews. If some people are new to the show, go back a few episodes. We talked to Kyle Nicholas. He's an awesome guy, but it's really interesting to hear about what he's working on and how he's continuing to try to solidify himself as a starter, as someone that is, is aware of his reliever risk and how he's working to stay in that rotation. I think he can breaking ball is nasty. Fastball has crazy life. Look out for Kyle Nicholas. Definitely a fun name to add into the fold there for that team. And then Tanaj Thomas is somebody that can hit easy upper 90s, but just has not developed the the pitchability side of things yet, but is fun to watch on the mound. Converted infielder, exciting athlete to follow there. Any final thoughts before we move on to the Wichita wind surge? I don't think so. Wichita is kind of intriguing. I mean, they've got some arms that, you know, are, are, I don't want to say must watch, but you've got some arms that are certainly intriguing. And then I like a lot of these high floor bats in Wichita right now. Totally. So we'll start with the arms because Matt Cannarino is I I would throw the must watch tag on him just because of how nasty his breaking ball is. Cannarino is disgusting. It's just he has not had the buildup yet in the minor leagues. Uh, But even with the small sample size as a top 10 uh, prospect and a pretty solid and and improved twin system for us. Simeon Woods Richardson is another dude that the VLO has not gotten to where we would expect. It's it's low 90s at best, but everything moves in five different directions for him. He has a deep arsenal. And if he has the VLO tick up, he is a very legit pitching prospect. But Austin Martin, I mean, we know what this guy is at the very worst. The the hit tool is phenomenal. I fell asleep watching Austin Martin clips last night, actually. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I woke up with my laptop open. I was uh, watching Austin Martin clips while I was listening to Bam Adebayo on JJ Reddick's podcast. Uh, You're such a weirdo. Just fell asleep while I was doing that. Um, But it it was I was just watching his at-bats. Dude, the guy never makes a bad swing. He never makes a bad swing decision. And if he does, he's not doing it again for the rest of the game. I am. I do wonder what his ceiling is. And that's why I limit him a little bit in terms of where he's ranked. And the defensive situation is a question, but a guy at the plate that is just so fun to watch because you know, he is always going to command the at bat Spencer steer, Oregon guy, underrated uh, Oregon. Correct. You're the college guy. You usually that Oregon. Above average speed raked last year and really asserted himself as a, hey, you should pay attention to me prospect. I'm a big fan of Spencer Steers bat. And I think that he added a small leg kick to, to try to develop more power, but it's still under control. He's athletic. He repeats it. Spencer Steer, I really like. Uh, and I think he's a name worth following. Edward Julian, maybe one of the worst defenders I saw in the Cape League, but man, can he hit? Uh, Dude, he can hit. He can freaking hit. Uh, and then you got Cole Sturgeon and Matt Walner. Walner also very interesting as well. Uh, any any thoughts on any of these guys or anyone I missed? Walner's a big guy. He's like 6'5", and he's got a very smooth swing. I think Walner can be a big league corner outfielder. 
Edouard Julien is going to be very interesting to watch. This is a guy from Quebec that went to Auburn and mashed at Auburn. And then he came up, he's been a quick riser. He's already in double A. And I want to say he's 22 years old, maybe 23 years old. Julien is a very high floor bat. He can't play defense. <laughs> we'll see what happens. He killed, he killed me in a couple games. Um, I believe he was a Hyannis Harbor Hawk. Um, he was a Falmouth Commodore okay. in 2018. I He could have been in Hyannis in 2019. All I remember was one of those never-ending innings, and he booted two that would have ended the inning, and Katua had 11 runs or whatever, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be here all night. We're going to be here absolutely all night. Um, but he would go in and then just mash, and and he's he's somebody that's going to be that positionless masher. I like watching those guys. Yeah, Julian had a 988 OPA, well, six games. He was eight for 26 um, with five doubles in six games with Hyannis in 2019. Yep, well, I caught one of those games. Listen, Loe in Fort Myers last year, he hit 299 with a 950 OPS. And then in high A in Cedar Rapids for 65 games, he hit 250 with an 890 OPS. No, he can can hit. And and if if he even gets limited to... DH or first base or whatever, the bat is so good that you'll you'll feel fine about who he is as a prospect. Moving on. And to oh, high, by the way. Oh yeah. Go and ahead. oh, by the way, he was thirty four for thirty nine in his stolen bases and walked one hundred and ten times in one hundred and twelve games in college. No, in minor league baseball last year. How is he stealing bases in low A and high A? Probably the pickoff role, but in low A and high Ew. A, he walked one hundred and ten times in one hundred and twelve games, dude. No, I really like the offensive profile. I really like the offensive. If he could mix in some stolen bases, if he's an above average runner, like, bro, just figure out how to be, like, not terrible and left. Just at, or at second. Like, second. I don't know. Just go somewhere. <laughs> hide. Please. Yeah, just hide. The ball finds you. You know that. Yeah, um, it does. It does. The Dayton Dragons, another one of those really exciting. I would – Almost slapped the must-watch tab on them just because of how electric some of these lower-level guys are. Ellie De La Cruz is somebody that is already getting that crazy hype. We were talking about him a while back, but now we're seeing him get the crazy hype across the board. That is almost making me feel like it's too much. We were hyping him up because we felt like nobody knew who he was. Now he's a consensus top 60 prospect, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting nervous. Uh, but switch hitter, plus-plus speed, plus plus raw power and an 80 grade arm. I'm not kidding about any of those things. Like <laughs> That's why he's a top 50, top 60 prospect hit tool 30 present. We'll see how it progresses. And that's the question because the object of the game is to hit the baseball. So all of those seventies and eighties won't matter. If you can't hit the baseball, very excited to see if he can hit, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to him. I'll fly through the names real quick. Andrew Abbott is a Jack McMullen prospect. If I've ever seen oh, one yeah. six foot lefty three pitches, he commands extremely well, low nineties, fastball pitch ability, pitch ability, pitch ability. I'll, I'll leave you the floor for him in a second. Matt Nelson raked at FSU. Uh, oh and we should, we should say this is the red system. I want I always got to remember yeah. to, to mention the teams. This is the red. We got really good feedback by the way. Uh, from one of our one of our most faithful listeners who said, by the way, your co-host is great. He had been listening all the way back since the uh, locked on MLB prospects days. But he, he, he made a good point. He listens in the car and he wants to, to know what team these guys play for. We take our the knowledge for granted. And we're just like, oh, this guy's name, this guy's name, this guy's name. Really good and constructive feedback. I believe it was from Kevin. So, Kevin, thank you for the feedback. Uh, because that's something we got to be better about. So I got to remember that uh, we'll hold each other accountable, but thank you for listening as always and bearing with us when we rattle names and don't say who they play for. Uh, But Matt Nelson played for FSU drafted in the first round or compensation round. If I'm not mistaken, he just hit the shit out of the ball. And that was really what got him into that range. He's an okay catcher. Very interested to see how he develops. Reese Hines is someone that I think breaks out this year. Uh, They've moved him to left. Third base, for whatever reason, took a toll on his body. They're putting him in left. He's a good enough athlete to be good there, has the arm. Alan Serda is one of our guys. I know you've really put him on on the radar for me early on last year, and I'm a big fan of what we've seen from Serda. We talked about him a lot in the Reds episode we put out. Nick Quintana came over one for one in the Tucker Barnhart deal from the Tigers. Was a former early pick, still interesting. And then you have Quinn Cotton, 
Who do you want to start with, Jack? I want to start with Ellie, of course, because Ellie De La Cruz is, I, he's, <laughs> he's this year's Jason Dominguez. <laughs> like, but, and, but actually toolsier. Right. And we'll see what happens there. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those where this could work out really well or it could blow up in everybody's face. Um, I guess the good news is it's not just blowing up in our face. If it doesn't work, it's blowing up in everybody else's. But I felt like we were one of the first movers on L.A. De La Cruz. I hope he's good because this guy is who's most similar to him. O'Neill Cruz. Yes, that's the irony. That's it. The irony is, is O'Neill Cruz is the most similar to him. And L.A. De La Cruz is faster. And yes, O'Neill has more power, but I don't know if O'Neill had more power when he was 19, 20. Yeah, I don't know. And Ellie De La Cruz is already putting up 113s, man. In terms of Exavilo. We'll see. So he could be very similar to yeah. O'Neill Cruz. I'm also nervous that Elio Cruz is going to grow like three inches too. So, yeah. and he's already six, five. So he might be O'Neill Cruz. We'll see what happens. Um, and, and that would be a great way for Ellie De La Cruz's career to play out. Uh, Andrew Abbott. You're right. Like that's my guy. I mean, he was, he was a great Virginia Cavalier. Um, I think he can be a multi-inning reliever at his floor uh, same organization with the Reds, Matt McLean. Like we said, the absolute basement for Matt McLean in his baseball career is big league utility man. Absolute basement for Andrew Abbott is quadruple A guy that is a multi inning guy in a bullpen and a long relief role. But I think he can achieve more than that, and I, I think agree. that he can be a five. I I totally agree, and I also think in relief we saw Abbott. Uh, they they slow rolled him after a long year at UVA where he was extremely successful through a lot of innings. They didn't want to build him up too much. I think they just wanted him to get a taste of professional baseball. So he went in two to three inning spurts. His velo was up. He was closer to 92, 93. So if, if he doesn't work out as a starter, he could go two, three inning spurts of 92 to 93. He'll be incredibly effective in that role. Abbott's floor is, is as solid as a floor as you're going to find. And I'm starting Reese Hines is a wide range of outcomes guy was extremely volatile when he was drafted. I think Heinz's floor is slowly ascending. I'm starting to believe more and more in that hit tool. And I'm a big fan of his. I still really like him as a breakout guy. And then Serda was someone that really made some great swing adjustments when he got brought up to to high A. And you saw those firsthand. uh, And part of the reason why, why you really liked him last year. The Lansing Lugnuts, that's high A for the Oakland A's. Led by Tyler Soderstrom. Uh, Soderstrom is one of the most advanced young hitters in the minor leagues right from the jump. Uh, He played the whole year in low A. I thought we would have saw him by the end of the year in high A after what he showed. Soderstrom, I think what is really undersold on him is the projection in his frame and physicality. There's easy 30-plus home run power here, and we've already seen a potentially plus hit tool. Soderstrom, even if he can't catch, is going to be a top prospect in an elite bat, but he has worked hard on the defensive side of things, which I love to hear. Austin Beck is 100% worth following. Lazaro Lazaro Armenteros has that failed prospect intrigue uh, that is worth watching. Jeff Criswell has been great to start his career. Uh, The Lansing Longnuts are are a good team. Uh, They don't jump off the page, but they're solid. Yeah, real quick on Criswell. That was that was a high round pick out of Michigan. Uh, He's a gamer. Having interacted with him, having known how his brain ticks, I know that he is an MLB starter and he's going to be a big game guy. If Oakland ever gets back to the big games with Jeff Criswell, he's a middle of the rotation starter. I I think Jeff Criswell is going to be one of those guys that makes pitching ninja with the fastball slider overlay. Um, He's mid nineties with a fastball. He can absolutely yank a slider. Um, And I, I think he's going to be a solid three or four for Oakland. I, I could see it. And, and again, another guy that has the floor that you like to see, which is middle relief, worst case scenario. I really think that that's unless everything falls apart. I always hate saying worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is they they stop playing baseball tomorrow. But right. worst case scenario, like reasonably, is is that. And, and I think you can play that both ways. Best case scenario for anybody is Babe Ruth. So I like <laughs> what we're reasonably saying, worst case scenario. Um, moving on to the Fort What's, Wayne Tint Gaps. I'm oh, sorry. Hey, hold on. What's Ronnie Mauricio's best case scenario? Babe Ruth. Uh, no, it, it, he, he who struck him out? Riley Pint struck him out, actually. Welcome back, Riley Pint. 
Welcome back, Riley. Fine. Riley Fine struck him out this past week. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio is not someone I'm as excited about. I think that's been made abundantly clear uh, on this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, his best case scenario is is quite high. His worst case scenario is quite literally not even making it to AAA. Hey, let me tell you why I decided to put Fort Wayne on this list. Um, yes, that's my former employer, but also Robert Hassel's a top 50 prospect. Yeah, uh, There are some other guys that we really enjoy. I know you love Robert Gasser, the lefty who- I love Robert Gasser. Kind of throws juice. And then Joshua Mears hit two mammoth tanks on opening weekend in Dayton. Mears is a big, big dude that's going to hit some balls to the stratosphere. If Joshua Mears and, and clarification, Ronnie Mears has already made it to AAA. So stay afloat in AAA. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Uh, they just rush him. I don't know why. Joshua Mears for the Padres here. If yeah. he is a 30%, if he's a 34% K rate guy, his power is so immense that he has a spot on a big league roster. He just has to have a reasonably low. Not reasonably. It just has to not be the worst in baseball, K-rate. And Joshua Mears has a chance to be a legit, at the very least, high-impact platoon guy. His power is 75, I think. I, I, he's right knocking on the door of 80. The only 80 future value power we have right now is O'Neill Cruz. I would probably argue that Joshua Mears is the only other guy other than Ellie De La Cruz that could tap into that range off the top of my head in our top 100. That's how freakish Joshua Mears's power is. If he can find a way to hit consistently, not even that consistently if to, to just hit kind of consistently, he's a force. But speaking of hitting consistently, Corey Rozier came over in. What was that? The, the, we, we messed up Adam Frazier deal, I believe. Yeah. I think that's the one he came. So that was the, Oh shit. We got to trade Adam Frazier. We're just going to cut our losses. Corey Rozier came over in that deal. He's fast. He sprays the ball. I'm interested in him. And then Brandon Valenzuela. I know that's somebody that you said they really like in the organization. So is anybody that gets a lot of that organizational excitement is always worth watching. Every organization has those guys that they like more than everybody else. Brandon and Valenzuela. was that guy for the Reds. Exactly. So it's, it Shows works out. It makes some sense. Yeah. It makes some sense. There's a reason. They're not just saying. Um, and Robert Hassel, as I finalized everything, I was just looking at the list yesterday. He's, he might be top 30, Jack. Damn. Okay. He's that special. Um, he is. He, I'm really excited about him. He'll probably be in double by midseason. Yeah, he just went oppo for his first homer uh, on opening weekend. I mean, it was it was really impressive. And Hassel is a guy that's going to fill out a little bit more. Um, he, he needs to make some improvements defensively, but I think he can stick in center. He glides out in the outfield. Real quick on Mears, I'm going to text you a photo of him doing media availability in Fort Wayne. The Tin Caps posted a photo on Instagram. I'll, I'll find it and text it to you. Um, you know, Eddie Hall, former world's strongest man, set like all the deadlift uh, records. Yeah. Like that's kind of what Mears looks like, like the legs and the arms. His head looks tiny compared to his body. <laughs> and he's an above average runner, which is the craziest part. Um, moving on to South Bend, another really fun team. Uh, they, they're the high A Cubs. I yep. love that stadium out there, too, by the way. Four um, wins field. It's, it's awesome. I had a great time out there. Ed Howard. I mean, this is his year to really put it together. It was, it was a feel out year for him first year. He's so talented defensively already a plus defender. Owen Casey's a top 100 prospect right now. And he's going yeah. to break out in a big, big, big way for the Cubs. Alexander Canario is one of the guys that came over in that Chris Bryant deal. Very exciting piece there in terms of the power and the ridiculous arm. He has Jordan Wicks first round pick out of Kansas state lefty. Talk about pitchability. These are that's a guy that the freaking Royals need to go after. Jordan mm -hmm. Wicks will never be an ace, probably, but he will almost surely be a back end of the rotation starter with upside of a three and a good three. I love Wicks as a southpaw. DJ Hers, Cole Franklin, Chris Clark, and Max Bain. That's kind of where you eat over there. Uh, which, which of those guys stand out to you? Hers is good. DJ Hers can can slice and dice. Um Chris Clark is a big bodied guy. He was a USC righty. Um, yeah, I think he's six, eight. 
he he can work downhill. Max Bain is one of those driveline guys that is kind of totally revamped. I think he went undrafted out of a D2 school, was pushing three bills, and then trimmed his body, lost like 80 pounds, and is sitting 96 to 98 with his fastball. And then Cole Franklin out of nowhere, smaller guy touching 100 in spring training. So if Cole Franklin's a starter that is touching 100 miles an hour, that's intrigue at high A for sure. Where's Burl Carraway? Burl Carrow, I he might be in South Bend, um, but once he stops walking 30 guys per nine innings, I will absolutely tune in. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. And then someone who could join them, another guy that'll probably walk a lot of people and not a lot of innings. He's in low A right now, but he's famous for throwing 105, Luke Little. Uh, mm-hmm. He's toned it down to upper 90s and looked really good in his first few innings in low A. So name to watch there who could be joining them in high A. And then the best team ever assembled in the minor leagues of ever. all time, ever, the 1927 Yankees of the minor leagues, the Eugene Emeralds of the San Francisco Giants. What the hell is this team? Marco Luciano, you might have heard of him. He will be playing games for them for, the for I think, a good portion of the season. There's no yeah. reason to rush him. Luis Matos is my candidate to probably jump out of there pretty soon. But Matos, we're talking about two top 40 prospects, one top 10 or 12 prospect there. Jairo Pomares, uh, spoiler alert, I haven't seen him on any other top 100 list. He's on ours. Yeah. Hunter Bishop, former first-round pick, still has a ton of tools and athleticism. He could put it together, and it would be scary. Casey Schmidt, I'm a huge fan of his glove at third base. Uh, developing power, really good field to hit, was a two-way player, rocking arm. Patrick Bailey, first-round pick, catcher, uh, great hit tool. We'll see how the power develops. Glove is solid. Kyle Harrison, top 60 prospect, one of the best left-handed pitching prospects in the game, unhittable uh, with that fastball. Then you have Nick Swinney, who's one of my more underrated lefties in the game, invisible that he throws in the low 90s and a really, really good breaking ball and changeup that he mixes in as well. Uh, Luis Toribio is maybe one of the sweeter swinging guys that it would be really nice to see the production come together. Uh, but I, I do have a little bit of Isan Diaz concern there with Toribio, but definitely okay. an interesting prospect. Seth Corey strikes a lot of dudes out, got the Burl Caraway going for him a little bit too, though has no idea where it's going. And then Randy Rodriguez, this team is insane. Insane. Best part is Will Bednar, their first round pick last year out of Mississippi state is in low A. He could make four starts and then join them in Eugene. Yeah, it might be a few more now after how he looked in his first outing. Not good. Yeah, so it's funny. I would have been all over that with you, but then I saw that first outing, and I'm like, the Giants know something. Interesting. Okay. But I agree. I mean, if, if, if he looks comfortable again, he should be joining them in high A. He was their first-round pick. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Bednar's struggling. Um, he struggled in camp, and he struggled in this first outing, and they started him in low A. It's kind of surprising. Yeah. But he joins this team. What the hell? Like this is the most watchable team ever. We talked about any day you could go watch the Akron. uh, I want to call them the Akron double days. I don't know why the rubber ducks, Uh, the Auburn double days, the Akron Akron rubber rubber ducks. And you're going to see a good pitcher. You can tune into the Eugene Emeralds anytime at any at bat in any moment. And there's something relevant happening. (laughs) That's how crazy they are. So I love, love, love this team. Any other thoughts you have on, on this group? I don't think so, dude. It's loaded. And then one team quickly in low A, like it's hard to locate good talent at low level minor leagues. Um, But the only team in low A that I decided to point out here was Salem, the Salem Red Sox, Uh, Marcelo Mayer, Blaze Jordan, Wilkeman Gonzalez, Nico Cavadas. Cavadas is, you know, like 70 grade power, but 20 grade hit. We'll see what happens. And then Mayer and Blaze Jordan, obviously, you know, you know their deal if you listen to this podcast. So that's the only low A team. Um, I think in terms of taking the cake here, Eugene, the, the high affiliate of the Giants, the Eugene Emeralds are the most must watch team in all of minor league baseball right now. Um, I'll put the Akron rubber ducks at two. That's the double A for the guardians. And then I'm probably putting the Tulsa drillers at three. That's double A for the Dodgers. I'm with you. I, it, to me, Akron and Eugene are in their own, their own just section, their own stratosphere. Over there, that team is insane. 
Uh, but there's some, there's a bunch of other low A teams that you could probably argue have some, some intrigue, but that's a deep dive. I'm yeah, biased. Like Visalia, the, the Diamondbacks low A affiliate has Jordan Lawler, who just homered. I want to say his first at bat. Yeah, as any of those recent, any of those recently drafted guys, I was going to say the same thing with the Marlins. Uh, you got low A Jupiter where I, I'm really excited to tune in, but that might be some Marlins bias, but their, their middle infield duo of, of Jose Salas, who I know that talk about a guy that the organization is higher on than everybody else. Salas is someone that they, they think is a can't miss top 100 guy. Um, Khalil Watson has been in freaking sane. Let's start. talk about Babe Ruth. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Does he look like Babe Ruth? That guy's got to be in high A like as soon as possible. And then some college guys on that team that I know you'll like Brady Allen, that was another uh, SEC oh, yeah. guy that can swing it. Osiris Johnson, former second round pick. So there's some interesting dudes there. Uh, Sam Prater was an Alabama guy as well. Uh, but yep. And they also have Andy Pettit's son, Jared Pettit, on that team as well, which I think is kind of funny. I wonder what his pickoff move looks like if it's also a Bach. Uh, but yeah, this is a really, 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 really loaded group at, at almost – Every level, you have some really insane teams. Talent is is just ridiculous across the minors. Uh, to wrap up here, Mackenzie Gore looks really freaking good. Yeah. Um, he's probably going to make a few more starts and could help them soon, but he doesn't really fit in. Any other standout performers or thoughts on Mackenzie Gore before we, we call this thing? Yeah, I think Prado was the only other standout performer that I've got. Melendez hit a couple of really solid baseballs. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, Melendez. Yeah. Uh, Melendez was was incredible this week. Um, but uh, I'll let you take Melendez and then I'll finish with Gore. Yeah, so I texted you about Melendez and because I was watching an AB and it was against, I forget what, it was one of those just just relievers you never heard of that throw 98 with life and nasty, nasty breaking ball. That was Christopher Melendez. Yeah, it Christopher Melendez. Melendez. Christopher Melendez looked amazing. Um, dude, oh my gosh, did he look amazing. And he, uh, you saw MJ just spoiling fastballs almost out of the catcher's glove and shooting them oppo, maybe 20 feet foul. 350, 50, 360 feet home run, just, just foul. And if you're wondering why does he keep shooting them foul, he's trying to make sure that he doesn't get beat by the fastball, but also doesn't get destroyed by a slider. Most guys can't do that. Most guys have to commit to one and pray. And MJ can, can do that. That's how special he is. That at bat was really telling to me. Uh, he hit three balls that would have been home runs. They were just foul. Uh, one was even closer than 20 feet from foul. Uh, the guy's just a really good hitter. Yeah. Um, and then my last thought on Mackenzie Gore, like I said, he should be the five for San Diego to break camp. Um, you said, let's see what he can do in El Paso. Cause if he can't throw well in El Paso, that he's not going to throw well in San Diego. He was dominant in El Paso for a start. I'm cool with two more starts with him in El Paso. Uh, and then I want him joining the Padres rotation because Chris Paddock is a twin now. Is that right? Did that Taylor yeah. Rogers deal go yeah, through? That did happen. So what we've got, Darvish, Snell, um, Musgrove, Clevenger, and Gore. Is that so right? You want to go sit? Well, Snell just got scratched from his so, last start. Okay, listen, if you're dealing with any health concerns, I don't need Nick Martinez starting a game for San Diego. Like, get Mackenzie Gore up there. He's ready. I think Martinez starts today. Okay, I don't need that. <laughs> Give you're, paying him 20, you're paying him like 24 mil. Uh, Two, two other really exciting uh, starts from the Oakland A's. Who, we'll see Nick Allen at the big league level very soon, Jack. 417 through his first six games. And then we talked about UVA. Zach Geloff, he rakes. He's done nothing but rakes since being drafted. 563 through his first three games with a pair of home runs. Zach Geloff already at double A, mashes keep an eye on him with the Oakland A's and we'll keep you updated. We'll, we'll be doing kind of a reflection uh, looking back on all the performers as we have more, more data and more numbers to work with. And we'll have more specific uh, on, on exit velos, pitch velos. I'll have all that information uh, as it becomes more readily available as we move forward here. Uh, but to wrap up, Jack, minor leagues are loaded and you and I are going on a nice little road trip in about a month which I'm excited to, and we'll, we'll be, you know, doing live podcasts from all over there, but really excited to attack the season with you, my friend. And this is a really, really fun year with a lot of prospects that are right on the cusp of, of breaking through into the, either the big leagues as always, or also asserting themselves as top 100 guys. So it should be fun. 
we talk about the lack of minor league coverage all the time. We're really, really lucky to be able to bring you minor league baseball coverage because you know what? Uh, it's a really high level of baseball. And I'd say that minor league baseball as a whole, focusing on the top 100 prospects is more fun than the G League. It's more fun than, I don't know, college baseball, more fun than the AHL. I think minor league baseball is the untapped beast of professional sports. It really is. And you're, you, you, when else do you get an opportunity to really see the, the, the next possibly MVP playing at, at a lower level like that? It just doesn't really happen anywhere else. And it's, it's a unique aspect of baseball. Yeah, I mean, like you might see it in the AHL for a moment, um, but the aspect of baseball is, you know, I'm an indie right now. Like O'Neill Cruz could be an MVP. I, I get to say I saw O'Neill Cruz when, right? And, you know, if somebody gets hurt, right? Like Jack Flaherty made rehab starts. How about Jacob DeGrom making rehab starts in Palm Beach for the St. Lucie yes. Mets? So like, rude. oh, I was just in Palm Beach, Florida, and I went to this ragtag low A game. And I saw Jacob freaking DeGrom make a rehab start. It's so that's cool. the beauty of minor league baseball. I, I agree a hundred percent. And we'll be live at a lot of those games. We'll be talking about a lot of the games and we'll continue to have that coverage at just baseball.com as well. Finally, we have a prospect interview again for you on Wednesday. Very excited for that. So stay tuned. And then a little bit more on Friday of what's going on in the league and maybe just maybe just maybe I'm going to hold myself accountable. So I'm going to put it on record some top 100 discussion for just baseball because it'll finally be done. Uh, that is really exhausting, but I think I can get it done this week. And Jack, you've been a big help with that as well. So we will talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. And that's it for the call up today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.